we all know that when we get here, we're 100% convinced that people don't feel like us. If they knew what I felt like, what was going on in my life, you know, those are the thoughts that I had when I walked through the door. I've been there. I, I know that feeling of walking into a room full of strangers and putting things out there that you wouldn't put out anywhere else. This is a safe place. There's no judgment here. I had a, a friend who relapsed and came back and they felt so bad and they apologized. My comment to them was, I don't think anybody in this room needs to apologize for being an alcoholic because that's, that's what we do. We drink, but here in the program, we don't have to. All we got to do, keep coming back, stay in the literature, work the steps, get a sponsor, all that stuff that I held off for so long. But honestly, the minute that I decided I needed to actually try this thing the way that it was suggested to me, I had that rocketed into the fourth dimension experience that we hear about. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey there, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. What you say, Sam? Hey, Mr. Donnie, what's going <laughs> on in your world? Are you all nice and happy today? Oh, I am. I'm, uh, I'm trying to achieve hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. Now, that's an elevated level of spirituality. It is. I'm almost there. You look like you're hovering a little bit. I'm hunky. <laughs> um, I'm chunky, so there's yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should have said. Hey, Don, uh, we got us a letter from one of our listeners. You know, we get a lot of them nowadays. I love this. Yes. Um, but this one is from Jude W. And Jude says, hi, Don and Sam. I hope y'all are well. Ooh, there's a y'all in there. I love Ooh, that. Nice. <laughs> I've got a question about different types of meetings and their formats and names. While I understand what an open meeting is and step and big book study are pretty self-explanatory, not all meeting types and names are so clear. One of the clubs I love had a meeting called Twofers every weeknight, and I think I've seen other meetings elsewhere called that. One widespread type is the Fox Hall meeting, and I'm still not sure what that means. Could you give a rundown of some of these things for the uninitiated? Love the show, Jude W. Thanks, Jude. What? Twofer or Fox Hall meeting? I don't know what either of those are. I'm Yeah, I think like maybe the twofers could be like uh, your AA and Al-Anon maybe, or maybe dual addiction, or I, I don't know for sure. Two speakers? <laughs> maybe two could, speakers. Could be. It, it could be two speakers talking at the same time, and that way you'd get like twice the recovery in half the time. <laughs> oh, like the half hour variety hour. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Um, or maybe the uh, the meeting just seems to last twice as long. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sam, we have a guest today. They've been to Fox Hall meetings. Hi, my name's Jerry. I'm an alcoholic from Helena, Montana. I've gone to Fox Hall meetings. It came out of one particular group from what I understand in Nebraska, but I don't believe that there's anything really extraordinary about it other than it's just a, a particular group's style of meeting all in all it's just an aa meeting where we share experience strength and hope hmm. gotcha so there's another type called just the black print 
that has a meeting format that is used around the country, but it started, I think, maybe in Texas or something like that. So it sounds like it might be something like that, a, a group's format that someone liked and decided to mimic elsewhere. Exactly. My my home group is the Mountain Pacific Group in Helen, Montana. We're a hybrid meeting. We meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can join our meeting online at aa-montana.org. The format of that meeting is based on the Pacific Group out of California. The gal who founded the group was a member of the Pacific Group, and she liked that format. So we stay pretty close to that. There's a group in uh, Charlotte that was started by someone from the Pacific Group. And what do you know? Out here in California, there's a group called the Pacific Group. Yep which is where we're from. <laughs> but this like totally gives me an end to say something that I, <laughs> I've been laughing with. So here in Palm Springs, I've got some friends who are from the East Coast, and we will talk amongst ourselves about the differences between our East Coast meetings and West Coast meetings. We have jokingly, and who knows, it could happen. I've been knocking around the idea of I'm going to start an East Coast style meeting. Yeah. We're going to call it the East Coast group. The Atlantic group. <laughs> you need to do that. This question is a great opportunity for us to discuss all the different types of meetings. When you hear meeting types, what do you mean? And the first thing I think about is open and closed, which is the main two categories of AA meetings. It, they can be confusing, but an open meeting simply means that anybody can come to the meeting. And a closed meeting means that it is for people who have a desire to stop drinking. And I like to think of it like an open meeting and a private meeting. A private meeting is for alcoholics only, being defined as anyone who has a desire to stop drinking. And open meetings for anyone who wants to come and see what an AA meeting is. And that shows up in various ways, like maybe medical students coming because part of their curricula is to experience AA meetings. Uh, it might be family coming to watch someone pick up a chip. It might mean a parent bringing their child with them to the meeting. Right. So those are all open meetings. Then the, one of the type of meeting that is absolutely everywhere is a speaker meeting. And that's where someone shares their story of recovery. In North Carolina, people tend to speak for 50 minutes. But that's different everywhere. A lot of meetings have three speakers. Mm -hmm. It'll be a 10-minute speaker, a 10-minute speaker, and then a half an hour or hour speaker. Those are all speaker meetings. Yeah, and then uh, there are literature meetings. We've got big book studies and 12 and 12, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions studies. As Bill sees it, grapevine. We like the grapevine meetings. Um, and then there are some meetings that are particularly cross-talky, like service nerds in Greensboro, North Carolina, that uh, studies the general service manual. Yeah, that's a meeting that's just focused on the literature, the super secret service manual. <laughs> and it's conversational rather than sharing in a general way to the group. Then Okay, now here's one that I, I've heard on Recovered Podcast from the Detroit area. A popsicle stick meeting. Uh -huh. A topic is written on a popsicle stick, and they're all put in a can that pass around. You pick out, and you've got to share on that topic. So it's like God chooses what you're going to share in the meeting. <laughs> now, I've also heard that recalled a salad spinner meeting where you've got the bowl, the salad spinner bowl, and, uh, oh, and you're like doing that. the same thing. Yeah. There's call up meetings. 
Now, I've experienced that at a couple of conventions, conferences, where they gave us raffle tickets as we walked in, and then they would draw the raffle ticket. Yeah, if you got the ticket, then you come to the podium and you share. Yeah, that's truly letting God decide who's going to speak at that meeting. And then there's discussion meetings. I've heard a lot of old timers say that you don't want to go to those discussion meetings because <laughs> it's people sharing the mess instead of the message. Yeah, discussion meetings can go off the rails. I've been to some really good ones too. And generally it's because there's some strong recovery in there that helps keep the meeting on the rails. And that that's a big yeah. deal, I think. And now this is my least favorite type of meeting, but this tends to be a discussion meeting. Whoever shares calls on the next person, and then that person shares, and then they call on the next person. I've heard that called a popcorn meeting. I prefer the round robin meetings if we're going to do that type of thing. It's where you pick one person, and then you go to the left or the right. Jerry, have you got any different types of meetings you can think of? Well, I just I mentioned my home group, the Mountain Pacific Group. What we do is we uh, invite people in, usually through Zoom to share their experience, strength, and hope. They do a 10-minute lead at the beginning of the meeting. And then we usually open the meeting up just for open sharing. However, if we go any length of silence, the chair will ask someone with some experience to share. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, we've met our guest today. Who? Jerry R. From Helena, Montana who's serving on the Trustees Literature Committee in different ways, including revising the AA for the Native North American pamphlet, reviewing stories for the fifth edition of the big book, revising the questions and answers on sponsorship pamphlet, and also working on updating the pamphlet, Do You Think You're Different? Well, I don't think you're different, Sam. I know you're different. (laughs) That's it. You're going on my fourth step. (laughs) I've been there before. Actually, I don't think I've gotten you off that list yet. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, isn't it great the way AA just gives us this podcast for free? It doesn't work quite that way, Don. What? While we provide the podcast at no charge, we do have expenses. Grapevine is the only AA entity that does not accept contributions. Nothing from the basket or other money from your home groups. So to support the AA Grapevine podcast, please subscribe to Grapevine Magazine in print or digital. Or provide a subscription to someone in need through our Carry the Message program. Or purchase books or other items at aagrapevine.org store. My name is Jerry. I'm an alcoholic. I'm from Helena, Montana. Jerry, when did you get sober? December 17th, 1990. 1990. What was going on inside of you that told you I got to go to an AA meeting? There was a lot going on inside me and uh, outside me at that point in my life. I had just blown up my life. I used to say that I, I lost my life. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost the job. I lost the house. But the fact is I had a role in all of that. I didn't just lose it. Mm. My wife didn't want me to live with her anymore. So I uh, was homeless. It took me several years in recovery before I realized that I didn't have a place to live. I had to move in with my father. 
I thought for many years that I was just batching with dad, but in fact, I was homeless and he took me in. Yeah. And uh, my brother, Dean, 12 stepped me. So, what was the 12 step? I grew up on a uh, Indian reservation in southeastern Montana on a ranch, and I couldn't find anything at all that connected me to this stockbroker out of New York. But little by slowly, over time, I began to see the parallels between his life and mine, uh, the powerlessness and that, that emptiness inside. Bill and Ebby had the kitchen table that they talked over that uh, Ebby carried that message of hope to Bill. Uh, my brother Dean and I would go out and feed cows. And we'd come back and he'd turn off the truck and we'd sit in the cab of that truck for a couple hours and he would share his experience, strength, and hope with me. He was only two years sober at the time. So Bill and Ebby had the kitchen table. Dean and I had the cab of that truck. That's uh, fantastic. (laughs) You know, the ability to identify when we can make that more accessible so that people can feel that identification sooner, we have a good chance of helping more people. And when you are working on this AA for the Native North American pamphlet and do you think you're different pamphlet, that sounds like that's exactly what that's up to. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's, I do my best when I'm working on those to draw on my own experience of coming into the program early on and and feeling different, feeling apart from rather than a part of. I have a lot of memories. It was very difficult for me to walk into some of my early meetings. I don't present as Native American, but I was born and raised on a reservation on the inside. I am. I'm a member of the tribe that raised me. When I walk into those rooms and it's away from the reservation, I'm feeling lonely, different, and afraid. I feel like I don't fit in here. There's something different about me that keeps me from being able to sit at that table comfortably and feel like I'm part of this thing. And so any effort that we as a fellowship can make to bridge that gap, to help whoever it is that's coming in here, and whether they look different or they feel different, or they sound different, to help them to step just a little further into the room and feel a little more comfortable doing so, we need to be able to do that. And that's where I think these pamphlets really help to serve those people who are trying to find us, who are perhaps just on the fringes and not ready yet to take that step fully into the center of the fellowship. I know for me, when I was uh, going through treatment, there was a lot of AA literature on the table at the treatment center. And one of the first ones that jumped out at me was the AA for the Native North American pamphlet. And I picked that up and read through it. And I realized rather than pointing out the fact that I was different, we all feel different when we get here. We're all invited into the middle of this fellowship to share in this common solution that we have. It's a message of hope that we share with each other. It's probably true that everyone who comes into AA, at least the three of us all felt different. So you're saying that you were Native American. And so I don't know about this AA thing. I mean, I'm not going to fit in with this. Sam's talked about being gay and coming into the program and not being able to fit in. I came in, I'm an artist. (laughs) I don't fit in. (laughs) Yeah, y'all are weird. (laughs) But all of us had to, reached the point. I know I did where I had to look at the meetings and see where I could identify 
in rather than identify out. And when I stopped doing that, that's when AA started working for me. What we were talking about earlier, the different meeting types. I am not aware of these, but I would not be surprised that there are Native North American meetings. Is that your experience, Jerry? There are. There are plenty around the country. In fact, there's a Native Americans in AA conference that takes place every year. It has moved around the country quite a bit. There are other Native recovery programs that draw on the 12 steps. They aren't AA necessarily, but they do borrow from the AA program. Jerry, what was the hardest thing that AA asked you to do that you didn't want to do and then found that it worked? Interesting question there. I was one of those who sat around the rooms for the longest time, too afraid to do anything uh, because I thought it would draw attention to me. I couldn't pick up a pot of coffee and go around and pour coffee for people because I was uh, afraid that people might think I'm trying to be special or something. And it was all this self-centered focus that I had on myself. I couldn't be of service without thinking that I was somehow calling attention to myself. What happened was after being here for several years, I watched those people who got up and got the coffee pot and went around and poured coffee for people. I watched those people who raised their hands and said, yeah, I will I'll volunteer for this position. I will give my time and my effort to serve in this way. I watched them all get better. I watched them all start to get comfortable in their life. And they moved through the fellowship as if they had a purpose. And I was sitting still on the sidelines worrying about how I would look if I were to do something like that. And finally, the pain of seeing the difference between them and me got to the point where I realized I've got to do that regardless of how I think I'm going to feel about it or how others are going to feel about me. I've got to do that because this is what they've been telling me for years now to do, and I've not been doing it, and I've not gone anywhere. For years? For years. For years. Jerry, I love this because there are so many people in AA who are completely unaware that they've been one of my teachers. I learned by emulating these people, Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm hearing you say. Exactly. I share that with my home group, and I've probably got, oh, more time than most of them in there at about 33 years or so. But I remind them that they are examples for me. Regardless of how new a person is, they're capable of being an example of recovery for me. Time does not necessarily equal quality sobriety. It's, it's this willingness that we have to step past ourselves and step into the middle of this program and try to be useful. It's heading towards that 12th step, working through the steps and working our way toward that 12th step where we can be of maximum use to God and those about us. Getting off the sidelines and getting into the middle, there's an old timer who calls those who are sitting on the sidelines fringe dwellers. You don't want to be a fringe dweller, do you? (laughs) Come sit in the middle of the room. (laughs) And I've heard get in the middle of the boat and help us row. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we've been talking a lot about the AA for the Native North American pamphlet, but the Do You Think You're Different pamphlet Mm -hmm. serves the same purpose. Would it speak to an artist? (laughs) Yes, it would. Actually, it would. (laughs) What we hope to do with the Do You Think You're Different pamphlet is to develop a pamphlet for those people who don't get pamphlets. If you look through that pamphlet today, you will see that there is a story in there by a Native North American 
There are stories by uh, Black and African Americans. There are stories from someone in the military, from uh, LGBTQ+. We have literature for those types of individuals. So um, what we hope to do with this pamphlet is to open it up so that we hear stories from people we would not normally hear from. Who we hope to get stories from are those people who deal with more than one factor of alienation. Mm -hmm. Last year, there was an agenda item that a pamphlet be developed for Hispanic LGBTQ. I think that's referred to as intersectionality. That's a good word. That's that's above my vocabulary, but I'll, <laughs> I'll run with it. It's a twofer. <laughs> it's a twofer. I'll write that one down. Intersectionality. You may find that in the pamphlet somewhere. So, yeah, so that's what we hope to do is just what I would like to see us do is we've already opened up the doors of AA to everyone. But hopefully by this literature, we can kick those doors open just a little bit wider. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know how I struggled when I came in. I have no doubt that there are so many, many more out there who want to step towards the middle, but have that sense of being different. Let me ask a question. Are you actively sure. seeking stories? Yes, we have a call out for stories. Uh, the deadline for those stories is April 30th of 2024. You can email pamphletstories at aa.org. Uh, and just to repeat that, that's pamphletstories at aa.org. Pamphletstories at aa.org. And just ask any question there and they will respond. So let me throw this out to our listeners right now. If you are someone who has experienced the feeling of not being a part of and characteristics about you are aligned with this pamphlet project, please do reach out to them and see if this is something that you can help contribute to so that others can feel more comfortable coming in. And if someone in your sobriety circle is that person, talk with them about doing this. Yeah. Historically, in working with these pamphlets, a lot of times what we do is we develop a list of kind of like areas of consideration where we encourage people to write about uh, sponsorship, working the 12 steps, the traditions, treatment, those type of things. And one thing we're not going to do with this pamphlet is develop that list that asks you to put your experience in a certain silo of information about yourself. And the reason we're doing that is because we don't know necessarily what experience a lot of the writers who would submit a story for this type of pamphlet would have. Yeah. And so we don't want to categorize anything. We want to leave it open. And so we're just putting out a call for stories with a simple statement. If you feel that there are a couple different things about you in life that would make it difficult for you to really feel part of Alcoholics Anonymous, write a story about that, send that in. So you would also like to have some stories sent in for the AA for the Native North American pamphlet. The deadline is December 31st. At this point, we don't have any stories in the queue. Oh, no. If you are of indigenous descent, we would love to have stories sent in by you. You can use that same email address, pamphletstories at aa.org. Here's my experience. I am a writer. When I write something, when I put it down on paper, I process that. And what that has done for me is to it's helped me to take a step closer to the center of the fellowship. But what it also does, hopefully, it extends the hand of AA out to whoever's reading that article so that they can grab a hold of a little bit of hope that tells them if it worked for this person, maybe it'll work for me as well. 
I'm one of them too. I must have this thing. Exactly. Pamphlet stories at aa.org. Jerry, this has been great. You know, we have an Ask It Basket question. It's time for the Ask It Basket. What's that? That's the name Bill W. gave the basket that was passed around for questions. We want your questions for our guests. General recovery questions, newcomer questions, AA history. Got a question for the Ask It Basket? Go to aagreatfun.org and click on podcast. And now let's dip into the basket. Hi, this is Stephanie. I am a recovering alcoholic from Indianapolis, Indiana. My recovery date is April 24th of 2023. I have a question. I would like to know what people do when they stop drinking and they can't stop eating all this sugar. I literally feel like I have replaced alcohol with sugar. Seriously, I cannot get enough French toast. (laughs) Tell me what people do. Don, I got to jump in on this one right away. Stephanie, thank you so much for calling in with that. I think we opened the show with Don going for hunky dory and we found out that chunky dory was more where we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Girl, I feel you. You know, I'm I'm many years into this journey and sugar is still a thing. But, you know, one of the things that I heard early in uh recovery, we quit the things in the order in which they will kill us. I'm probably not going to die from doing a line of Oreos right now. Um, but, uh, you know, it is something that I pay attention to, but, uh, you know, alcohol was much more destructive in my life than sugar or bad foods. It's something that I've often heard though, that we can change our addiction. Our discomfort finds another way to show a symptom. And so there's definitely something to look at there. But again, we quit things in the order in which they'll kill us. In AA, we share experience, strength, and hope. And my experience has been is that there are no, there's no such thing as too much French toast. <laughs> That's one of those things that, that I, much like Sam said, that I put at the back of the list of things that I need to focus on. When I first got into recovery, I had so much else going on in my life that I had to focus on. There were some things like the sweets and whatnot, which are usually recommended in early recovery to not cut out the sweets and to have some on hand, in fact, to help with moments of depression. So what I found is that over time, my life started to get real full. I had a lot more going on that took my focus away from things like French toast and chocolate bars and and those type of things. I was much more active. Uh, I had more friends around me and I started feeling better about myself. So those things for me kind of dissipated with time. The more I worried about them, the more I stressed about them, the more focus I gave them and the more control they had over my life. I would just focus on getting to meetings, working with your sponsor, getting into the literature and keep a nice piece of French toast candy just in case. <laughs> I like that. You know, there was a, a new guy who came into the meeting and, one time and he was saying, yeah, I quit drinking and I quit smoking and I've uh, changed my diet and then I've started exercising. And my sponsor said, how good do you want to get? <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. like, cut through it. Listen, just focus on getting sober 
all those things are good. We do want to take care of our health. But at first, we got to get sober. And then, as both of you have shared, those things will come. Well, and trying to take on all of that kind of change at the same time, that's a recipe for disaster. (laughs) It is. Jerry, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Jerry, thank you. You bet. Appreciate you both. Hey, Don, what are you playing with on your phone? We're supposed to be recording a podcast here. Sorry, Sam. I was just checking my spiritual fitness in the new Grapevine app. Oh, the daily spiritual maintenance checklist? Well, are you fit? Yep, says so here. And look, there's a daily quote and a sobriety calculator. And you can read the latest issue and all of the past issues all the way back to 1944. And you can have the app read the magazine to you out loud as a playlist. It's the monthly magazine in print and audio. Right in your pocket. The Grapevine and Lavinia apps are now available for both iOS and Android phones. To get yours, go to the App Store on your phone. An AA member was trying to get ketchup to come out of a jar. During her struggle, the phone rang. She asked her four-year-old daughter to answer it. Hello? It's the minister, Mommy. Mommy can't come to the phone right now. She's busy hitting the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.